1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au
0: If you will follow the clues, God will reveal Himself in a special way and that very thing you're looking for you will find.
1: Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue in Pastor Jeff's Simple Truths series as he speaks about the clues God has planted in creation and in our very person to point us to Him, Creator and Sustainer.
0: Okay, Jeff, you've talked about the fact that God is wonderful and that all is designed to compel us into that relationship with Him. But Jeff, you've talked about God, but where does Jesus come into all this? I'm so glad you asked me that question. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Now, isn't dating bittersweet? It's sweet in the sense you get to hang out with the girl that you're courting, that you try to convince that you're something that you're totally not, and she'll only find out after the marriage. But you're you're, you're courting, and there's a a sweetness to that, right? But there's a bitterness too, because most women play head games. (laughs) And so you don't know where you stand with her. So you're hurt because you're thinking, well, am I making progress here? Does she feel about me the way I feel about her? And there's mystery and intrigue, but you keep dating. Complexity, but you keep going after because you want to learn more. You're compelled. It's called romance. And isn't it interesting that even though you don't figure everything out, you still marry her? (laughs) Why? Because you know just enough to trust that what's left is even better. And so you take a step of faith. It's not mindless faith because you're trusting what you have learned and what you do know for what you might learn and what is unknown. And that's why I tell young women, man, if you've been dating a guy for three, four years and he hasn't committed to you, dump him. Read my lips. Dump him. That's right. Why? Because a lot of guys think they have to know everything there is to know about the girl before they'll commit. And that's impossible. I will never know everything there is about my wife, but I keep learning more each year. It's intriguing. It's pursuing. It's romance. And when a man stops pursuing or romancing his wife, she leaves him. Right? Romance. Intriguing, complexity. The Bible uses this kind of language. It says God's relationship to us is like a bride. He calls us his lover. He uses words like "holotry" and "prostitution" when we betray him. Here's the point I'm making. God has put just enough in this world that faith is a reasonable thing, but He's left just enough out that it's impossible to come to him by sheer reason alone. Why? Because God wants more than your mind. He wants your mind. Make no mistake. It's faith, not blind faith. But he wants your heart too. He wants romance. He wants you to pursue him like you pursued that girl or that guy. He wants love. He wants mercy. That's why he doesn't come down as the big cosmic boss and say, you will believe. No, he just leaves leaves clues along the way. And if you're really interested, you pursue those. And he reveals more of himself and more of himself. That's why the Bible says in Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world god's invisible qualities his eternal power divine nature have been clearly seen so that men are without excuse and then over in ecclesiastes 3:11 to make sure we understand that not only has god revealed himself and dropped clues before us he's also rigged the human heart to notice those clues in ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 he has made everything beautiful in its time he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. That is that you know down deep inside there's something beyond and you keep spending your entire life looking for it. You just never find it because you're not looking in the right place. God planted that in your DNA, in your physical makeup to know that there's something in the beyond. And he says, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You're never going to know God completely and understand him completely just like you'll never understand your wife or husband. But he reveals himself as you pursue him. So, look at, look at what God wants. You know how the first time when I met Robin, I looked at the clues. I was very careful because I don't like rejection. Most men don't. So, I had to look at the cl- clues and make sure that the risk wasn't that high, and that if I asked her out, chances were high she'd say yes. And so, I came to that point when I was filled with a rush of excitement and anticipation. My heart was racing, but I had, I'd use my mind enough to know there are clues here. I think she'll say yes. And she did. And the marriage and romance and complexity continues to this day. <laughs> and that's right. And free will kicks in. Free will, because then at that point, you get to choose whether you keep pursuing God or you don't pursue the clues he leaves behind. He compels you by creation, wires you to understand the clues, but it's your decision. That's why in Jeremiah twenty nine twelve, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me, when you, and find me, when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 7, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door will be opened. Now listen, if you will follow the clues, God will reveal himself in a special way. And that very thing you're looking for, you will find. All right, now look up and let me kind of solidify this with one more example. I told you when we moved here that, you know, my wife and daughter love horses. My wife grew up in Africa, she had horses, but we've not been able to have horses since we've been in the United States cause they're so expensive. <laughs> and that, that's just after you buy them, right? Horse owners. Well, man, a guy in our church heard that story. He had a show horse, he had a bunch of them, but he had one that in, injured itself in the barn. So he couldn't show it anymore. So he gave it to my daughter. And I've told him a few times, man, you will never know what you've done. And there's another lady in the church that has stalls over in convenience. She goes, "Why don't you just keep him here? And you can come over, and feed him, take care of him, ride him here." So, so Sion and Robin go over. It's like man, it's like golf is to me. You know, that's what keeps me saying, riding that horse. They love it. Well, my little daughter kisses that horse, hugs that horse, rides that horse. So gentle. She named him Sir. Williams Fitzpatrick Darcy III or something like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever happened to Spot? <laughs> this past Monday, my wife called me and she was crying. And my wife doesn't cry, but she was crying. She said, Jeff, I, I think Darcy's going to die. I said, oh, honey, what's wrong? And if you're a horse lover, you know that they have about 80 feet of intestines and horses are susceptible to colic. They'll get something stuck And if it doesn't move, they'll die. So the vet came over and told my wife the chances of this horse living, that they're not good. Of course, horses, when they're in pain, they stomp, they lay down. I mean, it's like this horse was trying to communicate to my wife. She said, Jeff, I just showed up this morning. As soon as I saw Darcy and Darcy saw me, she just dropped. As if she said, I'm I'm in trouble. The vet came over, and told Robin the bad news. I saw a whole new side of my wife. Do you know what she did? For three straight days and nights, Robin went over, and all through the night, every half hour, every hour, walked that horse. Was there to put every fresh IV in to try to flush its system out, talking, holding, loving that horse. Three days and three nights. I didn't see my wife. I slept in my bed all by myself. Can you feel my pain? (laughs) Sometimes the animals get more than I do attention. I mean, I I tell you, it's, it's tough. Now you think about this just for a moment, isn't that amazing? Isn't it though? And the vet came and told my wife because the horse lived. Vet couldn't believe it. And the vet said, "That's okay. You can clap. God loves horses too." Matter of fact, I believe that Revelation says Jesus will come riding on a white horse. Right there, you go. The vet said this. The, said You know, your commitment saved your horse most owners would not have walked and talked, held and loved their horses all through the night for three nights. <laughs> you know what you want? You want all your pain to be taken away and then you'll believe in God. You know, the problem with that is pain and love are two sides of the same coin. I said earlier that you cannot force a woman to love you. force her to do a lot, but love is given out of a free will decision, a choice that you make. Which means if love is the highest value in this universe, God has to give you that little mechanism called free will. If he wants to be pursued, you've got to do it freely. He can't make you or it doesn't count. It's not real love, not genuine love. But the problem is a lot of people use that free will rather than to pursue God, to pursue their own self-aggrandizement and own selfish agenda, and they wreak havoc on each other. You want God to remove the evil and pain and suffering in the world, then he's got to take you out. But he keeps our free will in hopes that we'll pursue him. And the closer we get to God, the less evil's in our life. And the kinder we are, and the more compassionate we are to people because we're getting close to the God who made us. But there's something more beautiful than that. You pursue God, he may not take away all your pain because it's part of the free will mechanism. But you know what he will do? When you go through difficult times, there are hundreds of people in this audience right now that will tell you, God stays up all night with you. And he walks you, he talks to you, kisses you and holds you because he's never going to give up on you. And that is the most beautiful thing about relationship. And if you were invited here by a friend, I just want you to know it's because they want you to know you matter to God. And there's someone who will give you significance and unconditional love. And he's left clues along the way. And if you will pursue them, you will end up in a love relationship. But you've got to pursue them like you did your woman. you Or like you did your husband. You've got to pursue. You've got to go after it. And the more you go after the more He reveals. And the more He reveals, the more you get to know Him and the more beautiful He becomes. I don't know everything about my wife right now, but the more I get to know her and the more committed I am to her, the more unconditional love I give to her, even though she's still complex, God knows she is complex. (laughs) Nothing makes me more happy than the love of my wife, except maybe than the love of my God.
1: Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. And Pastor Jeff's message is about God's love for us, His creation, and the way in which He pursues us in order to be in relationship with us.
0: Okay, Jeff, you've talked about the fact that God is a wonderful Creator of the universe and that all is designed to compel us into that relationship with Him. And if we'll follow the clues, the relationship occurs and then God is with us. His spirit is upon us and every moment of the day, he wants to be involved in every intricate detail where we can actually have conversation and get him involved in every decision that we make, every problem, every obstacle that we face and that abundant life is available that we can walk into the kingdom of God right here, right now, it's available, but you got to make that move and follow the clues. But Jeff, here comes the next thing. You're a Christian. You've talked about God, but where does Jesus come into all this? I am so glad you asked me that question. Think about it from God's perspective. Just a moment. See how beautiful this is. If it's true that what God wants more than anything else is not to play the big, bad cosmic boss and come down and say, you will believe, but he wants to entice you and romance you, even though there's complexity in the relationship. How is it that God could communicate to you in a language you would understand as human the depth, the magnitude of his love that you would actually believe that's what God wants, relationship. Now, folks, when my mom died, I was in New Zealand. My brother Jody called me and said, you better come home. Mom, I don't think is going to make it. Here's my mom, this picture of health, 61 years old. We didn't see anything, no warning signs. And he said, you better come home quickly. She's in the hospital. She's hooked up to the machines. I get on an airplane. and Of course, when you're in Auckland, New Zealand, you can't come home quickly. You got 12 hours to LA, another three and a half, four and a half, whatever, wherever the wind's blowing, whichever direction, headwind, tailwind to Atlanta. Then you wait for a long time and you wait to board a plane. that goes up a little puddle jumper up to Tri-City. About 16, 24 hours of flying, a long time. And of course, everybody around you, they keep going on with their lives because they don't know the pain that you're in. That's the most difficult part about hurt. And I'm thinking about how many times I had the opportunity to tell my mom I loved her and I didn't. I think about you know the, the sacrifice she made for all of us and I could have just held her and hugged her and told her, you know, I love you. I know you did so much for us. I know you weren't perfect, but I wasn't the perfect son either. But I love you. And they... Pick me up from the airport and rush me to the hospital. My mom's in the hospital bed and I sit there and I hold her hand and my aunt is a cardiac specialist. So she came and told me what was happening and said, next time your mom, if her heart starts fibrillating again, it's going to be the end. So I just need to prepare you. She goes, talk to your mom, talk to her because I think she can hear you. You know, and I grab her hand and I move up close to her ear and I tell her, I say, mom, you know, I love you. Please don't leave me. I need you. I don't want to live in this world if you're not around. She, my mom would have loved to visit Christchurch. She would have loved you. You would have loved her. Please don't leave. Stay. When you lose your mom, you lose your home. Anybody's lost mom knows that. Things change. Please, mom, stay. Please stay with me. Don't leave me. And her heart started fibrillating again. And my aunt told me it was the end. And when my mom took the last breath and it went out of her, it's a horrible thing to see. Man, it was, the, it was the most pain I had ever had in my life up to that point. And it's still to this day the most pain I've ever had experienced. There can be nothing worse holding the hand of your mother as she dies. But there is one thing worse, isn't there? Only one. And it's if the roles have been reversed and I was the one on the hospital bed And mom was holding my hand. Why is that worse? Because I'm dying? No. Because the deepest pain comes when a parent loses a child. There is no greater pain. All pain of death, I know, hurts. But we have a saying that says no mother should ever outlive her child. Why? Because when a mother loses a child or a father loses a son or daughter, it's hard to recover because you're always thinking about what it would have been like as they grow older. What, would they have, what kind of business would they've gone into? What would their life look like? But there's something about when you get older and you die, there's a the feeling, I've lived my life. I, I've had my opportunities, I'm ready now. Now, if it's true that God wants relationship with you more than anything else, tell me something. What is the best way to communicate that in a language that you and I will understand and get? By giving your own son up. By willingly giving your son and turning your back when you could have saved him. You think a mother wouldn't save her daughter if she could? Or a father, a son if he could? And it's the most brilliant thought in the mind of God who is bigger than we could ever imagine to communicate to you and me. Because in the mind of God, think about how brilliant this is now in our language. The Bible says that this is us. And this is God. And God wants more than anything else relationship with us, but there's a problem. God is holy and pure and does not fellowship with sin. This sin in our lives, because remember, you say, well, Jeff, I'm not hurting anybody. That's not the point. You're hurting yourself. And because you've been created in the image of God, God still holds you responsible for hurting your own life because it's his life. He gave it to you. And that sin that's in our life separates us. It creates a gap, but God doesn't want the gap. So think about how brilliant it is in the mind of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two things. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross. And he's going to take your sins, past, present, and future. Because after you become a Christian, you don't actually think you get perfect, right? You don't think you're in a room of perfect people, right? <laughs> past, present, future sins forgiven by Jesus' death. So that sin, your sin has been dealt with. So there's no longer a barrier between you and God. But this is a graphic illustration and picture of the love of God to give up his own son because of his love for you. You know, you know that guy that goes around to all the sporting events and carries the sign John three sixteen. 16. There've been times I wanted to shoot that guy. <laughs> you're killing us, man. You're working hard, but you're killing us. Now I felt a little guilty so I don't really want to shoot him. I better be careful what I say. <laughs> I don't want to shoot him. I just want to say, man, there's a better way. But you know, I, wait a minute. What if the guy has been so touched by this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, John three sixteen. whoever believes in him, everlasting life. What if he's just so overwhelmed by the love of God and maybe he gets this and we don't? He just has to carry that sign everywhere he goes. See, the beauty of it is once you cross over and you understand what separates you and what God did in the depth of his love, you know what happens next, don't you? God takes you into the land of wonder. You see, that's why you're tired. That's why you're dead. That's why you, you feel meaninglessness. That's why you, you, you're, you've lost your sense of wonder. That's why Jesus said, unless you become like a little child. Do you remember the wonder a little child has? The monotony of being thrown up by dad again and again. Throw me up. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Wonder. God says, if you cross over in this relationship and you're reconciled, And this fractured relationship has been restored. Yeah, this is here, but the most beautiful part about this is you regain the sense of wonder now. And I like to tell the people at CCV about my little boy Delaney when he was 18 months or two years old and I'd come home from seminary and it was uncanny. Now, he he doesn't know how to tell time. He doesn't wear a watch, but he knows precisely when dad's going to get home. Don't you find, I mean, it's uncanny. The problem with that is I'd, I'd just about knock him out as I opened the door, bang his little head. And so every day I'd, I'd come home and I'd open the door, forgetting, boom, Delaney's out. You know, I'd say, Robin, Delaney's at the door again. It's that time. We said, how does he know? How does he know? But he crawled to the door. And you know why? Because as soon as that door was open, he saw dad. It's like he'd look up at me with those big blue eyes and say, please take me away from here. <laughs> you don't know what I've been through. There's got to be something better than Gerber peace. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. That's God, man. He wants you to say, God, please, it's mundane. It's boring. There's got to be something more. And that's been planted. It's been wired in your DNA. Got to be something more, God. Got to be something more. God says, there is. There's a gap between us. Let's solve that first. And then I'll take you into a life of wonder. And I'll show you things you've never seen. And the kingdom of God is available right here, right now, in this place. And here's what I'm asking. That's why C.S. Lewis, by the way, said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Now, listen, just for a moment. You can make a decision today because there are two groups of people. Let me talk about the first one first. That'd be good. Number one, there's some of you gave your life to Christ a long time ago, and I, today, I'm not sure why, but you still haven't obeyed the most fundamental command. I, just, I, I don't know why, but I, I just want to keep giving you opportunities. What is the fundamental command? What well, is the first command you get as a believer in, in Jesus? After you've crossed over, what's your first command from God? Be baptized. Why? I want you to confess me before men. I'll confess you before the Father. It's tough because... You know, like I said before, whether you have a $50 haircut or $10 haircut, you come out of that water, we're all gonna look the same. We take away every excuse you could possibly have. Black t-shirt, towels, modesty, all that. We prepare garbage bag for you to put in your car so your seat doesn't get wet. All excuses are gone. And I just wanna remind you, if you you can't obey the first fundamental command that you get as a believer, then I'm concerned, what are you gonna do when the others come? It's part of scripture. Let me quote it for you. What do we do, Peter? First day, first serve, What do we do? Repent and what? Be baptized, every single one of you. Forgiveness of sins, gift of the Spirit. Now, some of you being Christians, I know for a long, long time. I'm giving you an opportunity today. Come down in this water and do the very fundamental first command. Don't be shy. It's okay if you get wet. We've seen wet people before. But there's a second that group is a person who's been coming to church for so long, or maybe this is your first time, you know there's something missing but you've seen it in simplicity now it's time for you to cross over, come on over now come on home, time to come on back to God, all those things in your lives have been, are still clues from God to entice you and I'm asking you, come on back come on home to God come and be with Him
1: Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of Pastor Jeff's message on Bring a Friend Day. The Simple Truth series will continue next time when Pastor Jeff shares about successful living.
0: You know, if there's one thing about Christianity that should stand out above and beyond every other philosophy or worldview, it's that the man or woman you see in the mirror today should be different than the man or the woman you saw from the time that you first came into the Kingdom, that you walked the cross.